0: Welcome to the podcast, The Other Woman and the Wife, where we discuss why infidelity exists and what we can learn from it. Today, I am joined by Sean.
1: When I was a single guy, I was involved with multiple other women. Not proud of it, but by one and only marriage, my ex-wife had a very long affair. Six to eight years of the 11 years we were together
0: Sean and I met on TikTok, and I think that he is very well versed on the topic of infidelity. He has read quite a bit and we've had a pre-interview and I'm really excited to be able to share his perspective with all of our listeners. So Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too. You had mentioned that you were a affair participant at one point. Was that when you were married or when you were single?
1: When I was single.
0: Okay, and so they were married women? Yes. Was there any profound emotional connection? I just want to...
1: One of them there was, kind of. It's interesting. Part of what informed my perspective and why I knew like, when it was discovered, I was like, I'm totally screwed. There's no way I'll recover. We'll recover from this because all of them had pursued me aggressively. I never pursued them. And... I'm dead serious. I mean that 100%. Hey, Mm
0: -hmm. I invited you onto here because I believe that you are a transparent, honest person. No need.
1: I am. Yes. I
0: I definitely believe you that (laughs) you were the one who was sought after by these married women.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like I said, oh, no, don't. Not me. I mean, they were all beautiful women. And I would say that where i was at that time in my life i was not happy with who i am and i didn't really realize that to a certain degree you know for most of my life i don't think i really actually knew what happiness was i coped through one of the ways i did was having you know intercourse with beautiful women and Mm -hmm. in many ways i felt a whole other side like what happened to me i almost was like well thanks universe i get that but Anyways, one of them it got really it was really hot and heavy for about three years, and it was always push pull push pull. I I was always trying to end it because I felt deeply ashamed. It had come out. Some of my male friends had learned of it, and they they were very much not happy with me. They were really very, yeah. One of them straight up wouldn't talk to me. When he heard about it, and he said, "You know, basically called me a loser. I don't fault it.
0: I'm just shocked because, you know, I would say that the status quo of it, or I'll say the perception of men and the men who cheat the way that men support each other is Deep. by it's just typical. and it's like acceptable within the male community. So I'm really shocked, like, about these yes. friends of yours who were like, "No, I'm going to I'm going to remove myself from you." And uh, all of that. Yeah,
1: it's funny. I actually have the opposite view.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects individuals interested in talk therapy with therapists. I think that talk therapy is helpful because it allows you to intentionally carve out time for yourself to unpack your own thoughts, experiences, and feelings. And have an outside perspective to help you make better decisions in the future. I have many personal experiences with BetterHelp. One of my favorite personal experiences is when I gifted a membership to a personal friend and she still utilizes that same therapist that she initially found seven years later. BetterHelp is an amazing option for anybody who is curious about therapy and what it is like. BetterHelp has offered our listeners a discount of 10% for their first month if they utilize the link that is in the show description. The link is betterhelp.com theotherwoman. You will get 10% off your first month and you will also be supporting our podcast. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast.
1: I think that it's actually more acceptable among women to do it. And actually there's surveys that show that women are easier on women who cheat than they are men. And also I would like to point out there's no articles in men's health about my wife won't give me blowjobs. So I'm having an affair to save my marriage, but you go to Cosmo and there's article after article of women writing stories about how their affair is saving their marriage and maybe it's saving their contribution to the marriage. It's not really saving the marriage, but that's a whole different perspective. I think a lot of times the opposite sex, we don't really talk to each other. We don't really try to see the other's perspective. It's like, we think, well, why can't they just see it like I see it? Speaking of my marriage, it had kind of, before the affair came out, we just had so much stuff going on. It kind of devolves into trench warfare, where it's like, no, well, he needs to do this. No, you should do this. You should do that. No, no, no. You know, that's the thing I've learned is like, you know, I can't really control how she sees me or perceives me, but I can't control how I react to her many lessons from it. But I think what I want to say is like men actually feel a deep duty and responsibility to their wives more than I think their wives give them credit. It's pretty much true that a male cheater, he'll almost always go begging back and fall on his sword. And it's because, well, maybe On some level, he's worried that he could lose access to his children. And also because he feels, well, it's my duty. It's my commitment. Uh, You know, usually when the woman cheats, she almost always falls in love with the AP. Almost always convinces herself that the husband is not her soulmate or whatever. And, you know, this guy is the soulmate. And sometimes in the case of my wife, it had happened and it ended peacefully not peacefully but i think she was living with the processing of it ending and she was still married so it's like she was kind of suffering in silence and if i would have known that i mean and she would have told me i would have done anything for her and she would even say that that he would have done anything for me i think she just i think oftentimes there's women are one or two of two minds say when they and you can correct me if i'm wrong you know because I don't speak for
0: all women. I just want to put that out there. I speak for one woman. Her name is Chelsea. But yes, I do think that there are a lot of parallels among women. And I think that I honestly think that you are more read currently than I am as far as op eds and uh, published material. I've definitely Mm -hmm. been more on the receiving end of. I mean the, the entire purpose of what I'm doing is to make people feel safe sharing their stories, so that they are not suffering in silence right and because I'm a stranger mm-hmm. there's not all the added baggage so yeah I, I love hearing your thoughts and I'm not going to correct you or anything like
1: that well yeah I was going to make a joke well you know as a man let me tell you what it's like to be a woman that was a joke but ah! <laughs> No, but I I think this is how I understand it. And I think this is maybe what happened with my wife and I don't want to I don't want to presume to know what is going on inside her mind. She would not share it with me. She gave me nothing really. There was a couple little moments where you could see like actual love for me coming through, but it was mostly just hideousness, you mm-hmm. know, just the meanest things you could ever say to another human being. But she kept insisting that we be friends. And I said, you've left me for the other man. You're living with him. Is that really a good idea? And I said, don't you realize that this is exactly what got you in this mess in the first place, leaving the door open to somebody else. That's why you were never like they're never fully in, you know, Mm -hmm. And I think when you engage in in an affair of that length, like you can tell yourself all you want, that you're committed. But I mean, the reality is, is like, if you're not with him, you're thinking about him when you're with him. You're not thinking about me. I mean, they're almost never thinking about us. And that's fine. I understand that. But as somebody who's on the receiving end of that, that is absolutely fucking brutal to just internalize being betrayed feels like your partner allowed another person to come into your house and steal your most prized possession and not only did they help that person but they gleefully helped that person and then told you something else and blamed it on the neighbor you know mm-hmm. and i think that's what's so you know there was a psychology today article i read That The thing that hurts the most about betrayal is that all those prized memories that you have as a husband, they're now violated by what you've learned. You go through life thinking that the past is the past, and now you realize, well, shit, during that time, she was having an affair. So when she was smiling in this picture, was she really happy? Was she thinking about me? That time she left and said she had to go meet a friend and it was like Christmas, was she, you know, was really him?
0: You know, based on what you shared, one of the really interesting things that stood out Mm -hmm. to me is she had a lot of anger and hatred that she projected onto you, right? Yeah. It actually wasn't about you.
1: Her anger
0: and her hatred likely predates even... Your marriage, right? And all of that responsibility does lie on her. And uh, yeah, what were some of the signs as far as, you know, having an incapable partner?
1: One of the things she was married previously. We, her and I actually go way back. We knew each other as kids. And I remember she always had anger problems, even when we were younger. And I, I used to joke because we used to banter back and forth. That's actually the one thing that I do miss about her is our funny bantering back and forth and teasing each other. And I remember like in high school I would tease her and she would just be like she'd just look over at me she's like you're such a fucking asshole. I was like yeah so what? And she's like, and I'd be like and then I was recalling that story later I was like so you just like t- said to yourself it's like that guy's a an asshole and one day I'll marry him. <laughs> and I up. She she's like, "Well, it didn't really go like that, but eventually later in high school we became lovers and then we became lovers on and off over the years. She always wanted more and you know, I just she was always way more polished, way more she came from a more stable family. You know, she had more going on with her life. I mean, I was kind of a loser in my 20s. I had a lot of fun, and I did a lot of things. I-, I was not what you would call marriage material in my 20s. I'll openly own that. You know, I'd like, I remember I'd run into her at the gym, and she'd just be, like, on the treadmill, just, like, beaming at me. Mm-hmm. And I'd be, like... I remember thinking to myself, like, why does she like me so much? I have never reciprocated not to get into the limerence topic but it almost feels like she had i was like her limerent object for 12 years and yeah so but she was married before me and then when she got divorced and then i announced that i was you know on facebook i was moving down to oklahoma city to take a job and i get a facebook message from her and i notice she no longer has her married last name And she asked me out to dinner and from there it just went and it just didn't stop. But in the beginning she said, Oh, somebody approached me to have an affair when I was married to my ex and I didn't do it because I didn't want to, I just didn't want to mess with it. And I, so I didn't do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I remember like just thinking and it just in one ear out the other, I think Before we even went anywhere, she already had it in her mind that it was okay. That it was something that she'd kind of entertained, was interested in. I don't know. And so part of me internalized that also subconsciously, which I didn't realize, I need to make her as happy as I can because I don't want her to stray.
0: I just think that men tend to think that their wife's happiness is their responsibility. And I just want to say it's not. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just because this is a podcast about infidelity and uh, all of that, I think I just want to underscore your happiness is your responsibility and nobody else's happiness is your responsibility You got to let that thing go because I think that's where women in affairs get tripped up too is because they think their happiness is being derived from this other person and it's not. It is the allowance you are giving to yourself to feel things that you have never felt. Yes. And then you have to be honest with other people about it. And that's a very challenging place to be for sure. But yes, you were talking about how your role in the marriage was to make sure that she was happy so that she didn't stray. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was still kind of a selfish, self-involved person in the beginning. She's a textbook people pleaser, 100% hands down. I remember in the beginning, she would just, I mean, I wouldn't call it love bombing, but it was kind of love bombing. And she was like, oh, I do things because I do things for you because I want to do them for you because I want to make you happy. And it's, nope, that's not true. Because later she's reminding me of all the things that she did. I think oftentimes where a lot of marriages go south and where a lot of women get frustrated is they don't realize that they're, you know, they'll, they'll say like, oh my, I think you had a video about it where you said they communicate, they act one way. And then they blame them for not seeing them how they truly are, even though they weren't authentic. And I think men do the same thing too. And I think men do put their wives on a pedestal. And I think sometimes they don't want to believe that their sexuality is much deeper more robust than we give them credit for. And it's something I knew as a single guy, but I just totally out the window when I'm married. I think really where it went south, if I had to pinpoint it, And I I think this is the exact thing because we moved to Spokane, Washington for a job, my job. And she still worked for the company she worked for and she was working from home, but she had never lived that far from home. And I think that was just such a shock to her Mm -hmm. and the travel back and forth. And he was here in the office. So there was like three years where she was traveling back and forth between Spokane and Oklahoma city. And, you know, we would try to stay connected as much as we can with the travel. But I remember it was like the last summer she was just started traveling more. And I, I brought it up. Do you really have to travel so much? And she, I'd like to do things with you this summer. And she snapped at me. It's like, well, that's just the way it is. I just have to, I gotta work. That's you just gonna have to deal with it. And I think it's like she said it to me like that word for word. And I remember she had her mom come and stay two summers in a row for an entire month. I could tell like after that, after she got me, you know, after she got the ring from me, Mm. it was almost like it went South. It was just like, yeah, I'm bored now, you know? And she started throwing up walls, you know? Yeah. And I could definitely feel that. And I, but she just, she was really good at being authentic, inauthentic, I guess. She wasn't yeah. ever really authentic. And, you know, it's interesting post-divorce. When we were married, she was like a carrying caring progressive liberal wearing her Elizabeth Warren. Yet she persisted, sure, going to women's marches with my mother. And then uh, afterwards, well, she's a Trump-loving, gun-carrying conservative. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's how much she changed. And I'm like, who's the real one? I I think she has an identity crisis of sorts. I I
0: definitely, I would definitely say that, I mean, my affair took place when I was 24. I was really Mm -hmm. young and it was definitely an identity crisis. And I had plainly stated to my ex, I said, I don't know who I am without you. And I want to find out. And uh, I decided I was going to do that. And it's so interesting having this conversation with you because I definitely wasn't consumed with anger and hurt the way that you have, you know, perceived your own wife or your ex-wife. But I definitely was like, I got to drop the hammer and run. At that point in my life, I was conditioned to be an avoidant of all feelings. And so how could I possibly understand myself without being in touch with my own feelings
1: that's a very respectful way to end it i will say i remember one thing i said to her i I think it was like 10 days from d-day to when i called an attorney and i said you know she wants to leave and i i remember she just it's almost like she got more aggressive and more hurtful and she started driving the ap's car here for no reason whatsoever and i was like why are you driving his car There's no reason for you to drive the car here. And it's you're just like throwing it in my face. Mm -hmm. And I finally just said to her, I was like, you know, you could leave me without kicking me in the balls repeatedly. And she just looks so dumbfounded. She's like that, she hadn't even thought about that.
0: It's so interesting. I usually don't make observations on the podcast because I do that in coaching calls, but I think one of the really interesting kind of parallels I can, or plot lines I can draw on your story is I think often we pursue others in the way that we want to be pursued. And you strike me as the type of man who is easily pursued by others. And What do you mean by that? Well, because you told me in the beginning of the conversation that oh, yeah. married women yeah. were the ones who pursued you. And she, your ex-wife, was the one who pursued you, right? Yeah.
1: Sean should run away from women that pursue him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean,
0: maybe. Sorry. Or maybe Sean should pursue women.
1: Yeah, I do. I do that. You um, do?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. How has dating been? It's been great. Very great. I'm actually, I am not actively really dating anybody and I'm trying to detach from my need for validation via sex. And so I, I refuse to let it control me. If
0: you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the other women community. The other women community is a membership program designed to help other women, just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer. All right, let's jump back into the episode.
1: Because that was one of the things that really hurt because I felt... And, you know, it, it always hurts for men. That's why the roles are that the, a cheating man is a dog and a cheating woman is l- lovesick or whatever. And that's why they always downplay it. Yeah, The cheating man's, I, no, I don't love her. And the cheating wife's, it wasn't that sexual. <laughs> but it's all BS. She tried to say that to me and I was like, because she knew about my past. I mean, I was always candid about it. And I, I said to her, I was like, you know that I know that's BS and it wasn't sexual. Give me a break. And I was like, it was very sexual and you enjoyed every minute of it. And then she just got really shocked. And then I was like, well, I didn't, I realized that can seem like I was shaming her. That was not, I just really, I just wanted her to be honest. Yeah. I could have handled it. You know, we had an open, we had done many sexually experimental things with each other in the beginning. And I encouraged her, you know, to kind of be more expressive in that regard. I always encouraged her to just be more expressive, like with the clothing. And it was never like, I need you to wear this or I can't get erect, you know, type of thing. It was like, you know, you, I, hey, you'd look great in this. And yeah. sometimes I would buy her like cute, interesting dresses. I like women that are very expressive and feminine and dress within mm-hmm. their power. And she started to slowly, but then she kind of reversed later. I don't know if she was just doing that to make me happy or she just really wanted to do that.
0: I wonder if she ever figured out who she really was.
1: I hope she does. I would say, like, the consequences for her have been significant, and none of it had anything to do with anything I did. It just happened. I want her to be happy. I have yeah. no hatred towards her. She was very kind, she was very generous. In the divorce decree but nowhere else i'll just say that
0: i think that shame because like in the end right i had made the decision to divorce i couldn't handle being in the presence of my ex because i felt like i was such a disappointment to him to myself all of that and it it made for a coward's way out you know and At times, it's interesting that I labeled myself a coward because it's the decision I made could be seen as courageous by some cowardly by others. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan to fall in love. It happened. And I made decisions after that. But anyways, I'm not here to fucking defend myself. (laughs)
1: Let me just give you a credit for that, because it's I mean, you're being open. I think some of your commenters on your TikTok think that I want them to like lacerate themselves for cheating. And I don't. <laughs> I just, all I want is if you're going to, there's one guy who said, you know what? I enjoyed every minute of it. I don't feel guilty at all. And I'm like, good for you, being yeah. honest. I, that's all I care about. I don't, I hate it when it's, my husband made me do it. No, he didn't. But the blame. That's, yeah. That's yeah. the stuff I get tired of.
0: Yeah. So, and I think where we can take this conversation and really give listeners a lot of value is it, and you and I had talked about it last night about D Day. What well, can make D Day a better existence for all parties?
1: You have to understand that it's like a nuclear bomb just detonated on your brain. I remember. She was very cruel when it came out. I think all you have to do is acknowledge what happened, state clearly what you want, and treat them with dignity on the way out the door. Mm -hmm. And understand in the same way that you said that her lashing out at me had nothing to do with me, their lashing out at you has nothing to do with you. It's a pain unlike I've never felt in my entire life. And that's not to like make anybody feel bad, but 99% of the time, your spouse has no idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. And you can say they didn't listen to me or whatever. And I think that's certainly true in some situations. But most of them, they want to believe that you're this wonderful person. And and you are, I'm not saying they aren't. They just, it's a bad choice. In my wife's case, my ex-wife's case, it was multiple bad choices. A person doesn't have to be defined by their choices. Mm -mm. But I think if you can just own it, state clearly what you need or what you want to see happen, or or if if you feel bad and you want to work on it, then you need to say, I want to work on this. Mm -hmm. And you need to make it clear that the betraying spouse, all they want in that moment is either to be told it's over or to be chosen. This whole waffling back and forth, I don't know what I want, you know, it's just an act to keep the neurochemicals going, I think. And it's just, I just don't do that. That's all I'm saying. Treat your spouse with dignity. That's all I ask. Yeah, that, yeah. To me, that, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I do think that the waffling isn't necessarily, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think that the waffling comes down to a lot of internal conflict. It's not just the chasing of neurochemicals. It's awful because an affair is a poorly timed relationship, in my opinion. It is a poorly timed relationship, and in every single relationship, we are learning more about ourselves as an individual. I think it's when we pour ourselves out into these relationships that we lose sight of who we really are. And so that that waffling effect that occurs, I think, is a lot of duty and desire and conflict with one another. And it's like mm-hmm. this. I remember back when my own experience, I felt very much, holy shit, I shouldn't feel this way. And the Denial and the dismissal of the emotions that had been, you know, something I did ever since I was a little girl started to come into play again. And I was like, the right decision is to do this. And then I had like this epiphany, and I was like, you've been doing the right decision all your life. And then I was like, it. let's turn this whole shit upside down let's see what happens I think it was like in that moment actually that I realized that my happiness was my responsibility his happiness was his responsibility and therefore I was no longer responsible for other people's feelings and I really needed to understand my own but that waffling effect I totally hear you I think that affair partners often Come back to each other. They tried. I just got off of a coaching call with a guy who has had a seven year affair. It's already out. A seven year affair. He has tried to terminate this relationship with his affair partner so many times in favor of saving his marriage. But his marriage had so much more nuance inside of it that was being denied and overwritten by another person's perspective. And he kept accepting somebody else's perspective as truth. And it was like, what is happening here, you know? And I really do think, you know, when you said she was suffering in silence, that's what I think a lot of infidelity is. It is the culmination of suffrage in silence. And so now I've got you on a loudspeaker over here telling people what to do with D-Day.
1: Yeah. And. You know, it's interesting. I read an article. It's on emotionalaffair.org. I'll send it to you. Mm -hmm. But So there is actually a neurochemical process. Whenever somebody sleeps with another person and and, and they're still bonded with somebody else, it cancels the existing bond. And so what happens is the waffling effect, if they keep sleeping with both people, that makes them torn. And I think the reason why she was so decisive leaving me is because there was like no attempt to have goodbye sex or anything like that. There was none of that. Even though the month before, she says she wants to have a baby with me and we're sleeping with each other every day. And then in a span of three days, she goes from, I love you, I wanna have your child, to I hate you and I don't love you anymore. I realized he had come back. He had come back into the picture. Was
0: her fair partner married?
1: Yes, but he wasn't then. And oftentimes if the AP single, especially in the case of a woman, Michelle Langley, women's infidelity, I think that a lot of people could benefit from that. I think it's very painful to read as a betrayed spouse because you don't realize like how deep it goes. And it's very hard, especially if, you know, if you think, say your wife's a, a good girl it's interesting you you brought up your childhood stuff, and I think women get beat up a lot over sexual shaming when they're young in a way that I think men are not. I think men cheating can have zero feelings for the woman that they're cheating with and still go home and love their wife at night. But I think because women have had that shame beat into them from such a young age. It's like, you know, little boys are taught to be safe with sex. Well, little girls, you better keep that, keep your legs close. Save yourself. You got to save yourself for the right man. Get married. They teach you, like, that you need to get a man, but they don't really teach you, like, what man to get or what man's best for you or how to actually... Be happy in a marriage. It's just, no, you get them, you make a baby and that's it. Everybody lives happily ever after. And it's, that's Accurate. the story that's told. And it's like women are not, women are much more sexual. They're capable of anything that men are. And in mm-hmm. fact, I would say that women love variety and novelty just as much as men do. It's just that they can't be as open about it in a way that men are because it scares the shit out of men. to know that their wife maybe has fantasies of multiple guys at the same time. Dude,
0: yes. The fact that you understand the psyche of the
1: female is so interesting to me. Most of my worldview comes from the Michelle Langley book, Okay, Um, I would say. Michelle Langley... She had an affair, and then she interviewed a bunch of cheating women. One of the chapters that always makes me laugh is it says, cheating men bring flowers, cheating women get blowjobs. So the whole point is like why women drag it out so much is because this internal struggle with being a good girl Mm -hmm. and being a sexual being who needs to have her needs met it's pushing up against it, and they feel torn. But the interesting thing about the Langley book is she says most of the guilt that women experience from affairs isn't because they're cheating on their husband. It's that deep down they know if they were forced, they would choose the AP, and that bothers them.
0: Holy shit. That's wild. Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you something that was really surprising about like me falling in love with Stan and having an affair was the fact that I was even attracted to him because I grew up in a predominantly white Christian society of, you know, like when I thought of my babies, I thought blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, just like me. And then I like end up in another part of the world. I meet somebody completely different than me. And I was like, how could I possibly be attracted to this? This isn't what I was taught to be attracted to. You know, and it was this real denial feel or it was the desire to deny my authentic feelings, which was so radical for me to experience because I had denied I even had feelings for so long. I thought falling in love was make-believe until it wasn't.
1: (laughs) Another thing she talks about. In that book, is how she gave an example comparing a marriage to an affair is like comparing a vacation to a work week. Most people or most women will try to compare their husband to the AP, and the husband can never compete with the AP. The best goddamn husband in the world is never going to be more desirable than this man that you're sharing these wonderful intimate moments with. She says it's like comparing a refrigerator to a Ferrari, they're not even the same thing, but in their minds, well, I'm so much happier. And it's like, in many ways, the affair is subsidizing the missing, you know, because nobody's ever going to fully meet your needs. I think 100%. people expect way too much from their partners. And 100%. I think this is where, where it goes wrong. But it's, if you think about it as, you know, two people are giving 80%, and then this one person appears and now you have a hundred percent. Well, of course this person's that's getting both all their needs been is fucking happy. And then this person's, Hey, what happened to me? You know, this betrayed spouse. And, you know, it's in many she talks about two in the book, how husbands subconsciously pick up on this, even when they're not aware and they start doing more things to try to make their wives happy mm-hmm. because they realize on some level there's a threat. They may not understand what's going on, but, The woman views the husband as being pathetic and manipulative, trying to manipulate her to make her happy because he's like, well, why didn't you do this when I was unhappy? And it's like, well, you probably didn't tell him. You probably were just walking around like having this conversation in your head the whole time Mm -hmm. thinking, well, I told my husband clearly. Oftentimes the husband, he doesn't even really even get an opportunity to rectify what the issue is, but I think, like you mentioned, the shame of it, it's just too much, and and she said, some of the women in there, they had convinced themselves that, if they went back to their marriage, they would always be forever known as a cheater, mm-hmm. and if they left, and went, went to the AP, well then, you know, that's love, that's, love conquers all.
0: It's definitely a risky decision, right? Like, this is what mm-hmm. I've assessed, and it's so interesting, because, you know, you mentioned that you were you're in financial risk assessment, and mm-hmm. my professional background leans more heavily towards what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing this, which is wild. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was when I decided that I wanted to expend the risk on myself. You know, and it was really just like going in full force, in favor of me. Was staying on the other side? Yeah, but. Once I realized that being in an affair, I had two relationships that I needed to make decisions in, regardless of what label they had on them. And if I was honest with myself, I could quickly determine that I was ready to exit one of the relationships and I wasn't ready to exit the other. So when people say, oh, you left for the affair partner, I'm like, they were two separate relationships. One did not depend on the other at all. These were two very unique individuals that I had built a relationship with. So it was wild. It's wild to listen to you talk about, you know, the way that a woman is perceived externally, should she choose to stay in her marriage, she's the woman who cheated. Or is she going to be the woman who goes in pursuit of love? And it I feel like life for me, you know, and I'm definitely 10 years more, or I guess I'm more than that now, 2014. I'm 10 years apart from an experience that you had one year ago. And I think in the 10 years time, it's so much more clear to me that like comparison is the thief of joy. And to compare these men against each other is a worthwhile exercise because in each of their own rights, beautiful people, beautiful people that I loved for a time in my life and still do. I don't hate either of these men that I had relationships with. And it's just so interesting to me that, that people reduce others to such a simple perception and the exercise of comparing people against each other. Like the reason why I think it's, you know, the thief of all joy is because if I were to sit here and compare my ex-husband to my present husband, it's, there's no, it's not a fucking competition, you know? And it was just so weird that people wanted me to even compare them against each other.
1: I really wished she would have just been honest with me. Cause I honestly, I probably would have just let her sleep with the dude to get it out of her system. If she just would have like, you know, because I think that's the lie, the sneaking around and the hiding. That's that holds the power. The secret. Oh, totally,
0: totally. I completely agree. The the fuel to the flame is the secrecy. And it's the secrecy inside of ourselves, ultimately. Because you're right, if it was just about sexual variety and she was honest about it, then Potentially her marriage could have remained, you know? Yeah. Well, Sean, we're coming up to the end of our time together. And before I let you go, I want to ask you one last question. Only question is what advice would you give to the betrayed party who is looking to heal beyond this experience
1: well that depends on the context are we assuming reconciliation here or they're gone like it's over
0: well that's really interesting that you ask for that context because for me i think that regardless of relationship outcome there's a lot of growth to be had for individuals who have been impacted by infidelity. So almost regardless of what your wayward spouse does with their decision-making, what has been instrumental for you in being able to grow past this?
1: Completely ignoring them. (laughs) I hate to say that, but it's like realizing that I can only control me. I cannot control another person. I cannot control outcomes. And I mean this with all due respect to betrayed spouses because they do really mean well. They're just terrified and they don't know what's going on. You've got to let go of the outcome. And I think if they wanna leave you, let them. You know, no, don't fight them. I think the reason why I asked about reconciling is I think that's its own personal hell. And I, I don't know if I believe it could ever really work. I don't mean that like. To ridicule people reconciling. Even Shirley Glass said, speaking of my situation, it's like, if there it was a woman, she fell in love with the AP and she's on the fence, you're pretty much fucked. Like, that's just the reality. That's just statistics of it. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that. And I was just like, and knowing what I'd gone through, I remember one thing that always struck me. I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic.
0: But. No, 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 it's okay. I love your tangents.
1: But so, the one that I got really close with, she said to me, whenever I have sex with my husband, I feel like I'm cheating on you. <sighs> and I said, that is the most bad shit, crazy thing I've ever heard. Oh, and I, I, you know, but I think that's interesting, you know, cause I think it's very hard, like the feelings of it, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, I don't think it's very difficult for women to escape that. I mean, that with love. And I I think that, but as a betrayed male, I think if they want to go, you got to let them go and you've got to focus on you and you've got to take care of yourself and you've got to heal yourself and you've got to realize that only you can control your own life. I don't think you can really stop anybody from cheating on you. There's people that pitch these books, A Fair Proof Your Marriage. Yeah, whatever.
0: You and I align a lot on our worldview in a lot of aspects. And uh, I remember going into my relationship with Stan, the exclusive relationship, right? And being like, oh, well, fucking cheaters always cheat. Cheaters never change. Like once a cheater, always a cheater. I remember that being so drilled into me that I was like, oh fuck, I'm that. I am doomed to fail. And it felt like a real reckoning of free will, you know, do I actually have a choice and like, where does my power lie and all of that. So yeah, and also on the reconciliation piece. It amazes me how fast some people in marriages decide that reconciliation is the path that they want to go. And I'm just shocked that the first question a betrayed party isn't asking themselves is do I even like being in this relationship it's wild to me because then all of a sudden it becomes duty to this idea of marriage and like oh well definitely if we're married and you cheated we have to solve this in order for my happiness to exist or anything like that and I'm like whoa separation is an option people Sean you're definitely coming back onto the podcast holy shit I love vibing with you I think that you and I have a lot of interesting conversations, and people will benefit from hearing us. So, I'd like to express gratitude to you for being so willing to be vulnerable with me in a conversation that most people aren't willing to have with people that are in their, you know, existence. And I hope that this conversation brings about courage for people affected by infidelity to do what is in their best interest. Because when we start you know people pleasing and all of that it really does just end up in a negative situation
1: so thank you sure no well thank you for having me